As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm Allie Wolf, a TV news reporter taking on my biggest assignment yet, motherhood. Get ready to feel inspired and connected as we explore the journey into mom life. This is the Mom's Calling Podcast. You've probably heard like food before one is just for fun. And yeah, that's true, but we're still going to be offering really great nutrient dense food, which we'll talk about. But our job as the caregiver is to offer them food. It's the baby's job to eat the food. Hello and welcome to Mom's Calling. I am so happy to have you here for another episode and it's a really good one. You just heard a preview that was my guest, Madison Holden. And this episode is all about taking care of you, taking care of moms in the transition into motherhood and postpartum. It's also about feeding your baby and a lot more. First though, I wanna let you know that you can email me and get in touch with me. I wanna hear your questions, your requests for the show, your comments, your guest requests, or just pop in to say hello. My email is momscallingpod at gmail.com. You can also send me a DM on Instagram. It's Ali, A-L-I dot Wolf, W-O-L-F dot TV. With that, let's get to my guest. Madison Holden is a pediatric nurse with a master's in nursing education. She's also a certified postpartum and baby nutrition consultant and a mom to a two-year-old girl with a second little girl on the way. We have a wide-ranging conversation, a conversation that, frankly, I wish I heard when I was pregnant and newly postpartum. We talk about how to nurture yourself as a new mom, your body, your mind, what to eat to help your recovery, to help your breastfeeding and your milk supply, and your mental health. We talk about postpartum anxiety, depression, and the baby blues. We talk about the recovery. We talk about how to feed babies, how to get your baby to eat solids, baby-led weaning purees. We really get into that. We also talk about launching a side hustle and a business as a mom. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Madison Holden. Hi, Madison. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Allie. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you are just a wealth of knowledge in so many different things related to baby and mom. So um, I want to just dive right in and talk about the postpartum phase. What are your first tips off the bat for first-time moms who are entering postpartum and preparing to breastfeed? I mean, what is the best way to prepare to not only feed your baby, but to nourish yourself as a new mother? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, honestly, I feel like a lot of times we are so focused on pregnancy, right? We meet with our OBs all the time. We have monthly appointments that turn into biweekly and then weekly. And so we're getting so much support and care during that pregnancy period. And then what happens is you have your baby and you don't see your provider for six weeks. And so there is a lot of just, you know, you have your baby and then you kind of go home and you're like, okay, this is it. Like, here we go kind of thing. And um, so I think a lot of things that I really try to focus with, with new moms is really taking that time to nourish and support and rest. Um, And I think, you know, the way our society is, is that we're always on the go and we move and we're doing this and doing that. And I think sometimes that we forget that not only do our bodies need rest, um, but we need that rest to be able to support the new baby. I really just think nourishing and supporting moms is the best way to nourish and support the baby as well. Um, So first thing I always like to say is really try and get a good support system before you have the baby. Um, And that always doesn't have to be family and friends, but really making sure you have like someone that can help if you have other children, you know, like if you need some help, maybe having someone watch your other children other child or children for a few hours during the day, or, um, I loved working with a lactation consultant. We're not sure what we're going to need. Like breastfeeding might come easy to some of us for myself. I definitely took some time to figure out what to do. And so having someone come and help me with like my latch and, I had so much milk alley. I had oversupply and I didn't even know what that was. Everyone's like, you're so lucky you have so much milk. And I'm like, I have so much milk. I could feed three babies. Like this is too much, you know? And so just kind of realizing there's so much with postpartum that you just don't even think about. Yeah. It's so funny. I think that there's, you know, everybody's going to have a different breastfeeding journey and journey to feeding their baby. And I think that I worried that I did wouldn't have enough milk. I think a lot of moms mm-hmm. worry about that. But then, you know, having too much milk sounds amazing. But I had that problem too. But it is incredibly painful. Also, I didn't even realize when your milk came in how painful that was too. So I don't know if you have any tips or what you tell new moms to prepare for or if they're in it and dealing with it because that is not easy. <laughs> No, it is definitely not easy. And you're right. It's something that we really don't discuss very often because everybody's going to have a different experience when their milk comes in. Um, For me, I just always make sure that my patient or my client is staying really well hydrated. That actually helps a ton with your milk coming in. Um, And then also alternating heat and cold packs on the breast can really be very comforting because it can be painful when your milk comes in. I love, have you ever heard of the Haka? Yes, I did have one and they are great, but I know a lot of people are not familiar. So if you can explain how those work, that'd be great. Yes, I'll explain what a Haka is because everybody listening who is a breastfeeding mom go and get yourself a hawk on Amazon. It's a suction pump. So you, you can put it on one of your breasts, let's say the breast that you're not using and it catches your letdown. So it's a great way to kind of help relieve a lot of pain without putting a electric pump on and stimulating letdown. And what happens is if by using the pump, 
your body is saying, oh, there's a baby on the breast. And so I need to get milk out. But the problem is, is then your body is thinking that it needs to make more milk. So for women that have oversupply issues, you want a fine line of relieving that extra milk and that pain. So you don't get mastitis and you don't get plugged ducts but you don't want to produce more milk. So the Mm -hmm. haka is great because it will catch the letdown and help relieve some of that milk that's, that's going to fall anyway. Um, but it doesn't actually, it doesn't overproduce like a normal pump would. For breastfeeding moms who want to increase their milk supply naturally, Madison's number one recommendation is water. Drink lots of it. Breast milk is more than 80% water. She also says to eat oats and healthy fats like avocados and nuts. Madison says nutrition can also help your recovery from labor and delivery. So what I like to tell new moms is when you first have had your baby, kind of think of eating foods that you would normally think of after a flu. So really um, nutrient dense, but also very easy to digest because your body has just gone through something very massive, right? I mean, you just had a baby. So I kind of like to say, like, start with really nutrient dense bone broths, start with vegetables that are, that are cooked and they're easy to digest um, and things like that. And so that way it's going to help your system kind of realign, get back to what it is. And then after, you know, a few weeks, a few months, what you can really do is just focus on your macronutrients and really just providing, it's kind of simple when you think like, okay, I need a fat protein and a carb, but those three things together are going to keep your energy up. They're going to help, um, sustain in between meals and feedings. Cause we know we're busy. I love that. I think that's such good tips. And I think that I want to get even more specific because even just what yes. you like. So like, I love okay. knowing what people eat and their favorite foods. So can you give me like a great breakfast, a great lunch, a great yes. dinner? If you're having a perfect day and a great okay. snack, I'm so cu- curious what your picks are. Yeah. So if I'm having like a perfect day, right. I don't know about you, but during this COVID period, we really got into homemade sourdough. I felt like it was kind of a trendy thing, right? Oh, we did it. We did it too. (laughs) Okay. We are still keeping up with it. And I have to really give all the credit to my husband because he is like taken on the sourdough train. But if I was having my perfect day of food, I would like wake up and I love a toast, a piece of sourdough bread toasted. I put a little bit of grass fed butter on it. I think sometimes we're so afraid of healthy fats, but they are so, so necessary and important. Um, especially as a breastfeeding mom, you really need those high quality fats. So I would do my sourdough bread. I would do some butter. I would do avocado. I would top that avocado with some hemp seeds and that's a great source of protein and really easy to digest. And then I would add like an over easy egg on top of some salt and pepper. Mm. And if you don't love eggs, you have to try some sourdough bread with some cottage cheese and some avocado Mm. on top of that with some, was everything but the bagel seasoning. So good. Love it. Okay. Keep going next. Let's go to lunch and snack and dinner. Okay. So we had breakfast. We're hungry. We need a snack. I grab a protein ball. I make protein balls with like oats and peanut butter and flax seeds, a little bit of chocolate chips. Cause come on, we need some chocolate, right? Some honey, coconut oil. So that would be like my yummy snack lunchtime. I love to make mixed green salads with some, um, salmon, fresh lemon, And I think a lot of moms are afraid of eating leafy greens after pregnancy. I remember Ali, 
I would always be told by like my mom or my grandma, like, oh, stay away from vegetables because it can make the baby colicky. Mm. And yes, there are times where calciferous vegetables and calciferous vegetables are some like broccoli, cauliflower, a little bit more of those gassy prone vegetables can make your baby colicky. But I don't think we should avoid them until we realize that we have maybe more of a sensitive baby. Because Mm -hmm. I remember after my daughter, like I avoided vegetables because I was so afraid that it would make her colicky. And then I'm like, I'm literally not eating any vegetables. Like I felt gross, you know, I did it too. Same with onion and garlic. I thought it was going to give my baby so much gas and be like, you know, but then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, the baby's going to have it no matter what. Right. Right. And the thing is, it's like, we don't even know if like yeah. your daughter or my daughter, we're going to be sensitive to it. And so it's like, or like a lot of um, babies are sensitive to dairy and that is very common. But again, we won't know if they're sensitive unless we're actually eating it. But so why void ourselves until we know? Exactly. So for lunch, I would love to do like a yummy salad with a good protein. So salmon, chicken, and this doesn't have to be hard, right? You can even get a bagged salad mix already. And then I love to add just fresh spinach or kale to it. So it doesn't mean that, you know, that can be a really easy thing to make, right? You just grab some bag salad, Mm -hmm. add some fresh lettuce to it. And then I love to um, meal prep meat and like root-based vegetables. So cooking like sweet potatoes, beets, um, broccoli, things like that, roast them in the oven and then keep them in the fridge. So you just throw them on top of anything you want to eat. So throw that in your salad with the protein. Again, add some avocado. Don't be afraid of the healthy fats. And then um, for dinner, I love, I mean, lasagnas, anything that's still hearty is so good because you need to fill up. You're going to be hungry. So I love making a really yummy like vegetable lasagna, which if you, you know, or you can just do normal lasagna and add like meats and vegetables in between add spinach. So I really do just try to get as much good quality nutrient dense food in a day. Yeah, no, I think those are all great. I'm hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> I know, right? But I think one of the things that caught me off guard as well is, you know, especially as women, like the diet culture, you you don't think that you need to eat as much as you do, but when you are pregnant, especially in the third trimester and breastfeeding, mm-hmm. you need the calories. And I, I think it almost got to a point where I was so tired of eating that much and still, I'm still breastfeeding. So, you know, it's a lot of calories. So eating something like a nice hearty lasagna, like that's not going to hurt you at all. <laughs> no. And I think, and see, that's, what's so hard is like, I feel like, okay, you get to your third trimester and you're just over it. Right. Like, honest to goodness, like I'm just done. You want to have the baby, you feel tight everywhere. You don't feel great, you know? And so then you have this baby afterwards and you're right. Like we have this culture of being like, I want to look great and stuff, but this is such a time where you're never going to get back of just really focusing on yourself and the baby and the needs of the baby. And so I really tell my clients like, you can eat great food for you that nourishes you and still be eating all the time. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a handful of good nuts, an apple with peanut butter. I love to do um, cottage cheese, some black beans and salsa and eat it with a pita chip. And so everything Mm. is really nutrient dense and 
you're still following your hunger cues because the worst thing you want to do is miss your hunger cues. Then you're going to drop your blood sugar. It's going to make you feel sick and dizzy and shaky. And then you're, then what you're going to do is you're going to go into the cupboard and eat whatever you can and find whatever you can. That's the quickest. And that's not the most healthiest. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's completely true. And I think that's the way to have a healthier mindset and, um, and I think it's, I think it's, yeah, embracing the fact that you just need to eat a lot and that having high yeah. quality foods are better. And I don't ever use the word diet with my clients. I don't mm-hmm. like that. I go, you are not dieting when you have a baby, like, especially mm-hmm. my new postpartum moms. A lot of them will say like, okay, how can, let's like plan a diet. And I said, that's not what we do. We're not planning a diet, but what we can do is focus on what foods are going to make you feel good. What foods are going to help nourish you and your baby. And that are going to leave you feeling more prepared for sleepless nights, more prepared for those tired days. I mean, you know how it is with a new baby, you're exhausted. And with those sleepless nights that turn into exhausting days, being a new mom is draining and it's stressful. Madison says studies show certain ingredients also play a role in preventing postpartum depression and anxiety. There actually is a study, Allie, that says that women that consume omega-3s during pregnancy have a a lower chance of postpartum anxiety or depression. Your omega-3s, your vitamin D iron and B12. So those are the four biggest nutritional deficiencies that can lead to postpartum depression. Um, So I always encourage my clients to really focus on eating foods that are going to help replenish that, or again, like going out on a walk and getting some vitamin D. What are your tips when you speak to mothers about, you know, their mood and helping them through? Because it is such a transition. And I think that we don't talk about this transition enough that, you know, it all goes together, your mind and your body, and you are dealing with just taking care of a baby. I know personally for me, I I have not slept the same ever since having a baby because there's oh. so much on your mind. So totally. yeah, what are your tips? And I don't know if you want to share anything about your experience, either professionally or as a mom. Yeah, of course. So You know, I feel like a lot of times you talked about postpartum anxiety, and that's really what I struggled with, with Harper, my daughter. And um, I have been a pediatric nurse for nine years. I started my career in the neonatal intensive care unit, also known as the NICU. And so I saw like the worst of the worst, right? Like I saw babies that were really, really sick. And when I had Harper, unbeknownst to me, right? Like I didn't know, but I was really suffering from postpartum anxiety where little things were really weird for me, Allie. Like, you know, looking back on it now, like I'll tell a story and it's almost comical. I'm like, I can't believe my mind went there. But when I was in it, it was all consuming, right? So I'll give you an example. One time I was feeding, breastfeeding my daughter and she was eating and my husband had made some salmon. And so he brought me a little piece of salmon on a fork and he was like, Oh honey, try the salmon. So I tried the salmon and there was a tiny bone in the salmon. Right. So I remember taking the bone out of my mouth. And then a few minutes later, I take my daughter, I unlatch her from my breast because she was done feeding. And in my mind, Allie, I was so afraid that that bone that I had taken out of my mouth 
somehow was on my finger, that somehow I unlatched Harper from the breast and that she had the bone in her mouth. Like just these kind of crazy thoughts that like looking back, I'm like, that was so silly. But for Mm -hmm. me, it was all encompassing. It was all I could think about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because it was actually my pediatrician that was like, I think you, you know, need to talk to somebody about this because like I said, you don't see your OB for six weeks. And then when you do, you give them like you do a checklist, like, how are you doing kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and I think a lot of moms are afraid to talk about it. Like we have this almost stigma of postpartum depression, anxiety, baby blues. And it's like, nobody wants to actually admit that they might be having these feelings. I think so. And I think the reality is that it's hard to separate the fact that you can love your baby so much and be so grateful that you have a baby, but also recognize that you are struggling or whether it be a huge struggle that impacts your daily life or just the fact that you have those thoughts that you can't shake or you can't sleep well, or you can't like connect with people in the same way because you're stressed or whatever it might be. I do think that, you know, there is a change there. And I think it's so interesting. The fact that, you know, you were in the NICU and you Mm -hmm. were around babies and you had seen really probably seen it all, but you know, you still had to go through it yourself. Right. So was it, did you, yeah. Did it change the way that you thought about things? Cause you, you had so much information. Oh, for sure. Like I, I, I always tell my friends, I'm like, I know too much, like things that people don't even think about. Like I think about, do you know what I'm saying? And so, Mm -hmm. but I, but I want to say like, but that doesn't mean that a mom that is in like the tech world doesn't have these same thoughts. Um, and I, you have to remember like our hormones are all over the place, right? Like we've just, during birth, you have this like huge release of, you know, epinephrine, um, um, epinephrine and everything is just on a high. And so then you're kind of like come down after that's why. Okay. So you talked about baby blues and most women experience baby blues three to 10 days after birth. And that's very normal. Um, and it usually it's just because of like your estrogen and progesterone, your levels are all changing. And so after birth, you have a high and then you kind of come down off of that. And so that's why they're called the baby blues really normal. And if they don't go away in about 10 days, that's kind of when you want to maybe talk to your provider about postpartum depression. Now, the thing is, is postpartum anxiety is a form of postpartum depression. I don't think people, when they hear postpartum depression, I don't think they realize that anxiety is actually part of postpartum depression. Are there any things that um, a woman who maybe is just having some anxiety or just is feeling a little off, do you have any recommendations of things that they can do or things that you did to just feel better or maybe to feel more yourself? So my first recommendation is to look, right? And to see what you have. And then also just still being able to take time for yourself. That was a big one for me. So I would always go out and go on a walk. Um, get your vitamin D, get some sunshine, separate yourself from the baby. Cause especially if you're a breastfeeding mom, I was just talking about this with a friend. It re- you really kind of feel like you're the only one that can do it at this time. Like my daughter never took a bottle and that was really hard because I felt like I always had to feed her. I had to like kind of put her to bed because she needed a breastfeed. And so it can be exhausting. Right. And so just allowing time for yourself. And then again, I just feel like it all goes back to really nourishing yourself with food. 
And after becoming a mom herself, Madison was inspired to take her passion a step further. On top of her full-time job, she recently started her own consulting business. Madison offers one-on-one postpartum and baby nutrition consulting. She does it with the help of her loved ones who recognized her dreams and pushed her to go after them. I've been a nurse, pediatric nurse now nine years. And you just see these moms and you just have these connections with these parents. And that really is kind of where everything stemmed. And then I had my own daughter and I was like, oh my goodness. Like I loved learning about how to nurse myself, how to help feed her. And so that kind of started my own little spiral down of like, I want to help other moms. And I think that kind of comes from just my profession of wanting to help and educate. Um, And so I do it with a lot of help from my husband. I have um, a great babysitter that can come and help during my client calls. Um, And I have like a sister that lives close that really helps watch my daughter. And so I think it takes a village. Like it just takes a lot of people to make something work, but I, I'm so passionate about it. And I love my clients. I love helping them. And I love seeing the aha moment, you know, like, Oh, I get it. Or, wow, this is so amazing. And so that's my drive. And that's what, you know, pushes me and also realizing like not taking on too much. I think that's something that a lot of women are, and men, like we, we always try to do more and do more and do more. And if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm like, okay, let's take a step back and let's kind of see how the week looks and what can I do to give myself some time or how, who can help me, you know, do this or that. And so really kind of utilizing resources. And again, I promote that a lot with my clients, like, let's get your help. Like, let's find your like circle of help. No, that's such a great message. I mean, in order to achieve bigger things, number one, it takes time and it's a bunch of small steps over time, but also Mm -hmm. having support is amazing. But I want to get to now what we want. We've been talking about is feeding babies. And I saw on your Instagram, you had a story and it was a baby. I'm not sure if it was your baby, but the baby was eating, what was it? Salmon and fermented beets. And so I think a lot of moms (laughs) will probably be like, my baby would never eat that. So, you know, you really encourage babies to eat real food, right? So what are your tips when it comes to the healthy introduction of solid. This is like really my favorite part of what I do is it's helping introduce food to babies. And this is kind of what stemmed it all for me, Allie. I remember going to my pediatrician's office and she was around four months and they're like, okay, like you can start on oatmeal, you know, rice cereal, which I know is definitely a very controversial topic. Um, and I just remember being like, I tried to feed her and she would push everything out of her mouth. Like I was like, she's not ready for this. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, breast milk or formula should be the only form of nutrition for the first six months. And babies are typically ready for solids once they can sit up well. But the AAP notes that each baby is different when it comes to readiness for solids. I mean, we can't open up their tummies and be like, yep, looks good. You know, so really just seeing what signs they're exhibiting and showing to tell us, yeah, my body's ready for food. And the number one thing is, can they sit up well 
with little or no support. And that really lets us know that like their core muscles are ready. Because if you think about your digestive system, it's all muscles, right? The muscles move the food through. And so being able for them to sit up with little or no support, like not in a bumbo or like a really padded high chair, but really sitting up solids lets us know like they have some good core muscle strength and that's going to help them digest their food. Okay. And then, um, that is a good tip. Cause I think that is confusing. And what your pediatrician <laughs> says can sometimes be confusing. Cause mine was a little wishy-washy. She didn't say, okay, go home and feed your baby. But she said, you know, it was kind of up to me and that maybe that was just my I doctor, can't. but that's what mine was. I'm like, what? I don't know. I've never had yeah. a kid before. Like, how do I know? What is your philosophy as far as how to actually encourage the eating mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, giving a bunch of purees and hoping for the best. Okay. I love that you asked that. And for me, of course, you know, I was a little anxious. I was like, there's no way I can have my, my daughter baby led wean. And so for those that don't know, baby led weaning, it's kind of a, it can be a misleading term, but basically baby led weaning means that your son or daughter, your child is going to pick up the food and eat it. So We create, you give them, you offer them safe food that's soft enough, um, you know, that they obviously, we want to make it squishable. So it's kind of mimics like the tongue to the roof of the mouth. So that when they eat it, it's not a choking hazard. You want it long enough so that when they pick it up, they obviously still have food to eat. Um, But so, and baby led weaning, there's so you can either do baby led weaning or like you said, purees, which is spoon feeding. So with my daughter, I did a combination of both. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way to start your baby on solids. So I work with my clients trying to figure out like, okay, what works best for you? Like, what are you most comfortable with? Um, if you choose to spoon feed, I really recommend around nine months, you really want to start introducing some foods that they can pick up because it really it helps with their uh, motor skills and things like that. And they also do need to learn to like, oh, we pick up our food, we put it to our mouth. And I think no matter what you decide to do, you really want to make sure that you're still doing using responsive eating, meaning if your daughter's breastfeeding, she's going to let you know she's done breastfeeding, right? Because she's going to not want any more. With purees, it's a lot more easy to overfeed your baby because you're just kind of like, putting a spoon to the mouth, right? And you're like, oh, one more bite or, and so they might not want it. So again, if I am feeding my daughter purees, I'm going slow. I'm allowing her to like lean forward towards the spoon. If she moves her head to the side, that is an indication that she might be done. And so you really want to still do responsive feeding, even with purees. Okay. That's a great tip. Cause it's really hard. You know, your baby can't talk and tell you, and right. also they don't really know anything about food yet. So it is really tricky until 12 months of age formula or breast milk are their main source of nutrition. So yes, you've probably heard like food before one is just for fun. And yeah, that's true, but we're still going to be offering really great nutrient dense food, which we'll talk about, but our job as the caregiver is to offer them food. It's the baby's job to eat the food. So we don't need them to like at this point in their age, when they're starting solids, like we don't expect them to eat a whole jar of baby food. Like they might not want that. And it's kind of like how you or I, if we're eating a food and like we're full, are we going to like force ourselves to eat it? Or are we going to just be done? You know? And so Mm -hmm. we have to have that same mentality of feeding babies as well. 
Yeah, that's a great tip. I think it can be very easy to get lost as a new mom and think, what can I feed my baby? So what do you love to introduce? I know that there's a lot of foods that you could pick from, but what are some of your, your favorites? Okay. So I love, um, like egg yolk for new babies is so amazing. It's so full of rich omega threes and nutrients and it's very, very good. Um, so I like love a do... egg yolk or a hard egg yolk. So it's, so some people, it depends on the, on the baby and like how the parent feels with allergy introduction foods. Cause obviously eggs is a very high allergenic food. Um, and it's actually the egg whites that are more allergenic. So for my daughter, I started with just an egg yolk and I would fry it like a little pancake almost. Right. And so it was just the egg yolk. And here's the thing, Allie is don't be afraid to add spices to the food. A little goes a long way, but I think in our minds, we think, Oh, I don't need to add spices, but like, of course, this is the best time to diversify a baby's palate. So I love to use turmeric in my eggs or excuse me, parsley. Um, I love to use, uh, what else do I like? Dill and, uh, paprika. Like there's so many different types of, um, spices and herbs you can use that are really nutrient dense and that will help diversify the palate. So I love eggs for a new baby. I love an egg yolk, of course, avocado. And I love, um, adding some hemp seeds onto the avocado. It helps if your baby led weaning and they're picking it up, it makes the texture not so slippery. Um, so I love avocado. I love sweet potato with a little bit of butter and some cinnamon or cardamom. Those are great spices. Um, and also like, don't be afraid of using meats like shredded chicken. Um, you can also use that. I love, and I love making like a chia seed coconut pudding. So you just soak some chia seeds in coconut milk, add a little mashed banana to it, a little cinnamon, let it sit overnight. And it's such a wonderful one of first foods for baby. Okay. Those are great. Okay. You're definitely inspiring me. I think this is very, very helpful. Um, Okay. So now I'm going to move on to just a couple quick, uh, quick questions as we finish off. Um, I just want to hear your take on best advice and worst advice, and it could be your personal or professional um, advice that you have heard. Yes. My worst advice is don't overhold your baby. You'll spoil them. I mean, did you ever hear that? Yes. And, and you're not the first one who said this is the worst advice. So I'm, yes, that is not true. I think a lot of times we're so worried about getting babies on like a schedule and there's so many amazing Instagram. I mean, I love taking care of babies. I used her on my daughter's sleep thing, but then it's like, it can be overwhelming, right? It's like, if you want to sit and hold your baby for three hours, sit and hold your baby for three hours. You know what I mean? So that to me was like one of the worst. And I was always like, am I spoiling her? Is she going to sleep through the night? Like, yeah. And so for me, I'm like, just love on your baby. Don't be that time goes so quickly. Don't be afraid to hold your baby for as long as you want. Um, I love that. I think my best advice was trust your mom's gut instinct. And I think when we were talking, I might've been like, I also am like, you know, use, utilize resources, ask for help. But at the end of the day, I've seen this over and over again, being a nurse, a patient comes in, we might not know, like realize something's wrong. And the mom will say, something is wrong with my kid. This is not my child. And so what I teach my students is I say, 
parents know their kids. They are with them a lot more than any machine can be on them. So trust your mom, gut instincts. If you think something might be wrong or if you want to do it a certain way, I really think that just trusting your mom gut instinct can go a long ways. I think that's a great tip. I 100% agree with that too. I'm going to just throw a little curveball as my last okay. question for you. Now that you are pregnant, which congrats again. Thank um, you. What is going to be your top hospital bag item now that you're going through it a second time and you've been through it before? Okay. My top hospital item, you're probably going to laugh and not a lot of people would ever bring this, but did you ever, did you ever have like the hatch sleep sound machine? Yes. Okay. I am honestly, Allie, going to bring that with me to the hospital because it has a really great night light. I felt like the hospital lights were so bright and I could never get like a good dim of like which light I wanted. It was either like way too bright or not dark or not bright enough. And I'm like trying to breastfeed and I can't see. So I think I'm going to bring my own little nightlight with me. No, I love that. Also for the sound machine, I think that if to just like oh. block out some of the talking and sounds, that's, that's a good one. I like that one. That's normally it's not on the list. different, right? And so yeah. I know, I think I wasn't even thinking about even saying that when I was like, what's my favorite hospital? But that one I think is going in. And like you said, I can have the sound machine going. I always use a sound machine for my daughter. And so I'm like, that's, that's what it's going to be is my hatch sound machine. I love it. I love it. And I think somebody else should get that idea and copy you on that. Cause that's a good idea. Um, so I just want to end off and, um, let people find a way to connect with you. And if they want to maybe talk to you and use you as a consultant, um, how can they reach you and find you? Yeah. So I'm, I have a website, madisonholden.com and that's where you can book client uh, packages, depending on what you're looking for. My number's on there. I have like a texting option. Um, and so I would love to work with anybody that needs, you know, postpartum support. I have a great package of like a monthly check-in where once a week we check in. Cause again, Allie, like we said, not really seeing a provider for six weeks can feel overwhelming. And so that's one of my favorite ways to reach clients is to do like a little weekly check-in for a month. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram and um, on Facebook as well. So I would just love to help all the new mamas and babies. I just love it so much. Well, you are a wealth of information and I think that you have such great tips and I love your philosophy and I think people are going to get a lot out of listening to you. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to momscallingpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review this podcast. See you next week for another episode of Mom's Calling on the Believe Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 